Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons online on our YouTube channel links below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. If you will, please join me by standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Will you turn to Psalm chapter 119? I just want us to spend a few moments just letting even a portion of this. We're not going to read the entire chapter of 119 because we're going to memorize the entire But I do want us to just take a moment to go through a portion of this, to get a sense. Um, I want you to feel two things as we, as we read through just the first few verses, 32. Um, I want you to see both the promises that are, that are presented in these words, but I also want you to see the heart that the psalmist has when he's talking about what he talks about. Okay? Let's read Psalm 119, beginning in first, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may, I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. 
I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Or another way that that was said. I will run in the way of your commandments, for you set my heart free. Father, we just take a few moments to say we treasure your words. In the moment when they are whispered quietly to our heart, and when we are reminded of them because they were written down, we treasure your words because they come from you. They represent your heart. They give us truth. They give us guidance. They give us hope. They give us strength in times of difficulty. They pick us up when we are so far down. They teach us. They are our wisdom your words and your testimonies are our counselors. Father, I ask that you would help us to fall even more in love with your word as we fall even more in love with you. Thank you for this word that we have this morning. Would you sow it onto our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, this is our first gathering in 2024. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm kind of surprised uh, by how many people we have here this morning because, again, like, like, does anybody not know of somebody who doesn't have the flu, corona, or RSV? Like, and I'm just talking about like here, I'm talking about like across the country. Like I have heard of so many people that have been getting sick and, and uh, I, you know what, I just want to take a moment, like we sing those words um, and we have a belief that, that God can really instill life and peace in a moment and that can be physically, it can be emotionally, it can be relationally, it can be spiritually, all the above. Um, and I just, I just want to speak into that and just, and just say, Lord, I speak the name of Jesus, who is life and who is peace. In and over, even physically, the people who are feeling it this morning. Jesus, we ask that you would bring healing this morning to their bodies. Would the healing be partnered together with the very real, very felt presence of you with them? In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of exciting things to come to 2024. I don't know if like, that, that may be cliche. You might be like, yeah, every pastor has started the year off. Like, this is an exciting year. Like, but this is, really, this is going to be an exciting year. Uh, not that other years haven't been exciting, but I just, I can sense that like we have so much that is coming. 
I feel like we really are going to be walking into, even us as a local body, we're going to be walking into some of the things we've been praying into. I think we're going to start seeing opened up before our eyes. We're going to be able to start walking into those things in this year, and I'm excited for that. Um, There's one thing in particular that is coming uh, for sure, Um, and uh, some of you may or may not know this already, but um, we are part of uh, a network, uh, a church planning network called the Phoenix Community. Um, We're the Phoenix Community of Athens, and um, how we got to the point doesn't matter. Uh, it was banking issues, but like came to the point where um, we were encouraged to to start our own 501c3. And as part of that, when you start your own 501c3, the, the C3, the, the question becomes, well, what's the name of your 501c3? And so it gave us uh, an opportunity to really examine and to really take hold of what we feel like the Lord is inviting us into when He said, "Come and plant a church." In, in Athens. Um, if you haven't been with us for a while, um, then you might not know this. The rest of you are very aware of this, but we just feel there's two things in particular that the Lord specifically has invited us into as a church um, and the reason for coming to Athens, even when we didn't know it at the time or didn't know that God was actually affirming this with other people who were already in Athens. But we feel like two things that the Lord has specifically asked us to be a part of in coming to Athens. Number one is kingdom unity, right? That we need the capital C church to come together because what happens in the city is on all of us. When we've gathered together other pastors from other churches, we look at them and, and we point out, we talk through the hard facts, the hard reality that 90 to 95% of people didn't go to church on Easter Sunday, the Sunday before 2020. Like not just, oh, because of the impact of COVID, but like in the perimeter, in, in the loop 10 of Athens, 90 to 95% of the people who live there didn't even go to church like the one Sunday or one of two Sundays in an entire year that like people who really don't follow the Lord come to church. That's a big deal. And it's on all of us. But I think it's going to require a kingdom unity to say, let's come together to figure this out and do it together. So that's one thing. But number two, we actually honestly, wholeheartedly, 100% assuredly believe that a revival that this city and the world even has never seen is coming. And this is a word that is not just, well, we, we want it, or we, we felt this calling. It is something that we have, we came to Athens with the Lord laying on our hearts in dramatic ways, and we can, I've shared that before, we can share that another time, and we constantly do. Um, but it was also something that had been spoken over Athens by people who have been here, It's been spoken over the city of Athens internationally by people who didn't even know that there wasn't Athens other than Athens, Greece. That a revival was coming that was going to shake the nations through a town called Athens, Georgia. They had to get a map to figure out where in the literal world that was. So these two things of believing that a revival is coming, but it will take all hands on deck and the Capital C Church to be part of seeing it ushered in and stewarding and carrying it well unto the nations as necessary. And so because of that, 
we have felt led to operate uh, moving forward. We are still in the process of filling out the 501c3 uh, documents in the process, but um, moving forward, we will be known as Revival City Church. <laughs> yeah. Now, again, the caveat with that is I did not say Revival Church. We are not so arrogant to think, oh, because we are here, revival will come. If you want revival, I come to our church. Like, we want that to be a reality, that people experience he who is revival here among us in this gathering. But we believe, we're naming ourselves after what we believe the city of Athens and the greater Athens area will be known for. And that's a revival that will turn this world upside down. We are a church in the revival city is where we get that name. So it speaks towards the unity the kingdom unity, and what we believe is coming. So we will be known as Revival City Church. That is going to be unrolled uh, throughout the weeks as, as we walk down that path, and um, we'll start presenting some things to you. And, and uh, uh, the other thing that's exciting, you guys have known this, you've been praying for it for a while. We are also seeking a larger building to contain the ministries that the Lord has asked us to uh, step into. We love this place. The story has been an amazing, God-filled story of, of how he turned this place into what it is and, and where we're located. Uh, we want to ask that you continue praying for us. We're hoping that um, you know, we, can, we can step into a new place soon. We're sensing that, even though we have felt a peace throughout this time to wait on the Lord um, and to actively wait on the Lord as well. We sense that in 2024, like, we're, gonna, we're really going to step into that. Um, and so we're excited for that. And as a part of that, many of you guys were not here when we started. Some of you guys were. Some of you were here when we started the Phoenix community of Athens. Which, by the way, let me add a clarifying um, comment that you may have the question. We are still part of the Phoenix community uh, church planning network. Just a different name change. So we're still part of that network. We're still connected with them. We just have a different name. But the thing is, different name, same mission, same core values. And those few of you that were with us when we, before we opened our first services in September of 2020, what a fantastic time to start a church, right? <laughs> Beginning of COVID, the most politically charged election year to date, uh, at the height of racial tensions, God knew what he was doing. What a better time than to plant a place of hope, <laughs> right? But we had a launch team that would meet together. It was a core team that would come together, and we would spend time with our launch team to help us launch the church in September. And so for months, we met together with a group of people, and we walked through, this is who we are. This is our mission. This is our vision. These are our core values. These are what we want to be, even if people don't know that that's the case. That's what we want people to feel, to experience, to understand. This is what the Lord has called us unto. We've had this mission statement, this, and this vision statement, and, this, and this, these core values and they will continue into Revival City Church. That has not changed. But what I want to do and what we want to do is invite you guys, whether you have been with us from the beginning or this is your first Sunday, welcome. We want to 
officially invite you to consider yourself part of the launch team of Revival City Church. And so what we're going to do is we are going to walk through those core values. And if some of you have been with us before, like, oh, I've been through this, we are going to make a deep walk through these core values. We're going to sit in some of them in deep ways to really allow the Lord to stir within us an actionable response to these core values. We don't want them to just be things that we talk about. We feel like the Lord gave them to us for a reason because he wants us to live it out. We've been praying through, Lord, how do we take what we have experienced and move into what you're inviting us into still? And one of the overwhelmingly repetitive things that keeps coming back up is how do we get this out there? It's by living these things, by challenging each other. We're going to have some very real, very tangible next steps, and then we're going to be inviting you guys to share how God worked as you stepped into those next steps, as you trusted him, as you made changes in your life and trusted him and partnered together with him. We're going to be sharing testimonies. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. When we share of what God has done, it reminds us of who God is. So we want to walk through these things. We're going to begin today. Anybody want to guess which um, core value we're going to start with from the reading of Psalm 119? Any guesses? Biblically grounded. The very first core value that we're going to walk through is biblically grounded and spiritually empowered. We want to be a church that's taught by his word and led by his spirit. But I want to focus today on that first part, being biblically grounded. That's where we're going to spend this morning really honing in on. Um, on New Year's Eve night, literally like 10, 11 p.m., I don't remember what the time was exactly, I was, um, you know, like most of you guys were, um, outside with Georgia Power, outside of my house. That's, that's how you guys spent your New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. I, was yeah. uh, I was outside of my house with Georgia Power because for days we had been experiencing um, really weird electrical issues in our house. Um, the lights in particular had just, for the, the previous two or three days, had gotten so bad they would just dim and dim and dim. And especially if we used any appliances, like it would get really dim and then bright again. Um, the surge protectors on like our refrigerator and, and appliances would go off and then they would cycle, basically saying, hey, it's okay. And it's like, no, it's not okay. Just the power uh, uh, flux was, was going up and down. And that's not good, right? That's, that's not good for your stuff. It's not good for your things. Um, it's not safe, and so we had no idea what the issue was. We're on the phone with um, our, our buddy who's a master electrician and, and is trying to figure this out. And uh, he's like, man, you, you got to call like Georgia Power. Like there's an issue outside, like something's wrong. And we called them, spent time with them. One guy came, turned off the power, turned it back on. That did absolutely nothing. Um, and then another guy came and uh, uh, we... I walked out with him, and we checked all the things, and then 
is as if like maybe the Lord like put a thought into his mind. Oh, maybe I should go back and check this other thing. He checked and realized that the grounding wire that goes from the transformer outside to our house was loose. Literally, that was it. The problem was the, the, the wire comes in and you have a, a, a bolt or a screw that kind of clamps it down into place to, to create a secure connection. I realize we have an electrician in the room uh, right now. He's like, oh, I know this problem. He's, he's solving it right now. Like, <laughs> and we got it, it like, like it, the problem was the threading on the bolt was, was crossed. And so it wouldn't go down all the way to clamp securely and to pinch the grounding wire to my house. And that was what the problem was. I was having these hot wires with power running into my house, but they were not being grounded. Ooh, some of you smell what I'm stepping in. <laughs> now, I want to I talk about a couple of the effects of a powered house that isn't grounded properly. And I'm going to bring, I'm going to completely over-spiritualize these unashamedly <laughs> to prove a point here. We have the lights that were dimming, especially when another appliance starts pulling power. Listen, when we talk about being biblically grounded and spiritually empowered, when we are literally named Revival City Church and we are believing for the Lord to continue in increasing measure to do a work of his people who are, who are spiritually empowered by the Holy Spirit himself, we're talking through why it's essential to be biblically grounded in that. Because if we are powered and empowered, but we are not biblically grounded, it's easier for us to start competing and seeing, oh, that person's in power. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do better than that. If I'm not grounded in God's truth, it's easier for me to start comparing. Instead of being like, oh, no, 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 I, I, need, I, need, I need that. The fridge motors stop working. A church that is empowered but not biblically grounded burns out. Ovens don't have enough heat to cook right, and heaters can't get hot enough. The actual power of people's ministry is diminished because people's trust diminishes. Even though power seems to be present at work, it becomes diminished and convoluted by bad theology and then bad methodology. You understand that? There's power coming in and God's doing powerful things, but because we're not biblically grounded, we start saying things and teaching things that are not grounded in truth. And then it becomes hard for people who see the gifting, who see the empowerment of the Lord. It seems like God is present at work, but I don't understand why he or she is saying that. And so it's hard to allow why the Lord did those things to really take root. However, maybe a better word is, uh, oh, electrical shock and even electrocution. I'm really stretching here, but think Balaam, right? The whole, like Balaam and his donkey. Think of that as like the electrical shock kind of moment. Like stop, stop what you're doing, change course. If you haven't read that, I encourage you to look at that story in Numbers. The Bible is wild, people. Gloriously wild. 
So electrical shock and even electrocution. Uh, think Ananias and Sapphira, right? In the book of Acts, God so wanted to protect his movement and the purity of his movement that was being met with power, that was being empowered by his spirit, that he even went as far as to protect it and protect holiness by removing Ananias and Sapphira, who had allowed Satan to so fill their hearts, claiming one thing, but not walking in the truth. It's dangerous. A charged house that is not grounded is dangerous. Grounding is designed to take magnificent power, like this strong power. It's designed to take that power and to safely put it into specific needs so that when I need it in a moment, when I plug in my appliance or I try to turn on something, I try to use power, it's there and it's available. But grounding helps make that possible. It helps make that safe. Helps make it uh, uh, happen and so that the other things that I mentioned earlier don't happen. Similarly, we want to go after being spiritually empowered people, but we need to make sure that as we grow in our discernment of those moments when we're spiritually empowered, that we do so while being grounded in God's word. It's similar to the example we use of a, of a cannon, right? The whole biblically grounded and spiritually empowered is like a cannon. A cannon without gunpowder is powerless. That's why we need to be spiritually empowered. But a loaded cannon without aim is dangerous. That's why we need to be biblically grounded. But I want to jump ahead for just a moment and bring a bit of wonderful clarification to this example. Some people view Scripture as limiting, right? It contains rules to keep you from doing and being able to do anything and everything. And truth be told, that's certainly true in many ways. In fact, I, I remember uh, an author that I was reading uh, in his book one time talk about his three-year-old son who he looked out the window one day. He, the son was playing in the backyard, um, and all of a sudden, he couldn't find his son. And when he went outside to try to find his son, his son was on his tricycle halfway up the street. And he looked back saying, I'll be right back. I'm going to Krispy Kreme to get some donuts. <laughs> Cute, but scary. A three-year-old on a tricycle in the middle of the road going up the road. It's true that Scripture and being biblically grounded is like a fence. But see, it's not just this limitation that you can't do those things because God is so good and has given us his word, has given us even his laws and his commandments and his precepts because he knows the dangers that are out there, the, the, the things that the world and our flesh will try to say, I want that. I, you know, I, I need that. I deserve that. It's not so bad. He knows the dangers that will steal your joy. He knows the dangers that will steal your love and dim your love. He knows the dangers that will take your peace, take life from you. And he's given us his law, his commandments, his ordinances as a fence to help protect us from that. But it's not just this limiting thing. Please don't see God's word. There's got to be something that would lead the psalmist to say, I love your commands. I cherish your precepts. 
If all I see when I look at this is a, is a list of what I'm not allowed to do to have fun in this world, I'm missing something. The fence, yes, it protects us from the dangers outside, but it also provides the grounds for which you can run freely. You can play with the Lord. You can run. It, it, it provides a space. And you need to realize that the Lord's backyard is a lot bigger than yours. It provides a space for you to run freely with the Spirit while protecting you from the dangers of this world. He's a good enough father. That's why scripture says, if a father truly loves his children, he will not spare the rod. He will not spare discipline. He will not spare rules. So going back to the cannon example, being biblically grounded is like operating a loaded cannon with safety and precision. Yes. But here's something I really want us to walk away with today and understand when we talk about being biblically grounded. Um, being uh, familiar and grounded in God's word is not just, in the example of the cannon, the ability to operate a loaded cannon with caution, aim, and precision. Being biblically grounded is also the ammunition itself. Let me say that again. Being biblically grounded gives us the ability to operate a loaded cannon with precision, with caution, with safety, with aim, because it's within the confines of biblically groundedness. But it's also the ammunition itself. Let me give you an example. When we talk about spiritual gifts, one of the gifts that that people love to talk about, I love to talk about it, is the gift of prophecy. It is receiving words of encouragement, edification, and comfort from the Lord and delivering it in a way that brings edification, encouragement, and comfort to people. But one of the questions that comes up a lot in this is, how do I know whether I'm hearing the Lord or I'm hearing myself? You guys ever asked that question before? Ever wondered that if you, as you walk through the process, and it doesn't have to just be within the within the confines of, of prophecy. In general, a lot of people are trying to figure out what does the Lord want in my life? And they're trying to figure out what is me or the world or the enemy, and what is God speaking? We always talk about first and foremost, what does what you think God may be saying line up with what he has already said? If I'm biblically grounded, then I have a rubric through which I can process what I'm wondering if it's God. If it doesn't line up, if it goes in opposition to God's word, it's not from God. I can flush it. I can take it back to him and be like, help me with this because it doesn't line up and I know that you don't change your mind and you don't lie. So help me understand what the truth is here. But also... When I know what God has already said, I can operate. Some of you guys just want to be used. Lord, speak to me so that I can be an encouragement. I can be a source of edification. I can be a source of comfort unto other people because I've seen how you've used that, and it's wonderful. And in fact, we're going to take a team to a partner uh, church of ours, some friends of ours today, to learn how to do prophetic ministry. So if, you want, if you're interested in that, see Amanda or myself directly after church. 
But if you really want to have power in that gifting, be familiar with what God's word says. Listen, what Nate Plato has to say may have little to nothing of significance or bearing in your life. But if God were to say even the exact same thing, that brings infinite power. That brings infinite confidence. When I know what God has said here, I have the ability, I have the ammunition, if you will, to take this truth, to take these promises and, 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 and bring them into a moment of need in ministry in a person's life in a way like nothing that I can sit through and try to talk through and, and, and just try to logic my way through or emotionally connect with somebody and support them. Like, that's one thing. But like when you can say what God has said that applies to their situation, yes and Amen. And they don't have to sit there and wonder, I wonder if that's true or not. I wonder if Nate is just, you know, just trying to make light of the situation or just trying to make me feel better. If God has spoken, there's a confidence that comes with that. This and knowing this not just protects you and gives you the biblical grounding to take that power that he wants to flow through you and aim it correctly and use it to discern in the right moment how he is working and what he wants to do, it also is the ammunition to take and see God work in power through these words right here. So I want us to see God's word as ammunition too. Okay, I'm going I'm to pull a pastor move. Is that okay? God's word is like a double-edged sword that... Um, you know, it separates soul and spirit, bone and marrow. I got a few facts that might stab us a little bit. Can I do that? Can I present those? I'm going to do it anyways. Okay. <laughs> on average, Americans spend two hours and 14 minutes on social media per day. I'm not on social media, Pastor. Get off your high horse. I'm just kidding. I don't, I'm not on social media either. So let's read some other things. On average, Americans spend two and a half hours watching TV. Or on average, Americans spend 3.11 hours watching digital video. That's like streaming, TV, movies, whatever, per day. On average, we spend that amount of time per day. And if we just reduced all of those statistics to say that we spend combined social media uh, and TV, streaming, movies, any of those things, if we just combine all of that and just minimize it down, and I am for sure rounding down, using the, I did my homework, I fact-checked this. If we just say we spend three hours a day on those things, that would add up to us spending 45 full days of a year doing nothing but that. Can you imagine taking a year and saying, I'm going to spend 45 days doing nothing but watching TV, social media, movies. Sorry, I almost spoke in Swahili. Etc. <laughs> Another way of looking at that is this 12.5% of your year, of your life in that year, 
being dedicated to mush. That's more than a standard tithing amount of your time to social media and digital video. But it gets worse. <laughs> what if we just focused on the time that you're awake? Because those numbers were based off of all the hours that you have to sleep. Conservatively, if you round down and use the average amount of sleep Americans get to just seven hours a night, yes, I know some of you are like, I don't even get seven. Well, some of y'all need to, that's on you. I'll leave it there. But if we just round down and say that conservatively Americans get seven hours of sleep a night, that means that we are tithing almost 18% of our waking time to social media and videos. And that's if you don't happen to spend more than three hours on average per day. That's an average. That means some of you will fall below that, but some of you fall above it. 18% of your year, if nothing changes about that, is tithed to social media and videos. How much time per day do you guys think it would take the average American to read the Bible? If they were to read the Bible in a year, how much time do you think it would require per day to accomplish that? What do you think? Yeah, you guys are all around it. 12 minutes. 12 minutes per day, and you would read the entire Bible in a year. 12 minutes. If you spent 25 minutes per day, you could read the Bible in six months. 50 minutes per day, three months. And if you want to go hardcore and spend two hours and 20 minutes per day, you could read the entire Bible in just a month which is still less time than we spend on social media and watching digital video every day. In other words, you could replace two hours and 20 minutes of social media and TV digital video watching with scripture reading and still have about 45 minutes to do any of that. I'm not bashing on social media engagement. I'm not bashing on watching TV or being involved in, in, in watching videos. I'm not bashing on those things unilaterally, saying that all of it is bad, none of it is profitable, anything. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is it's not okay for us to not be biblically grounded. We have the time. 12 minutes a day when we use over three hours on average for something that we know the, the majority of that is just not profitable. You can at least be honest with yourself and say that at least 12 minutes of what you look at isn't profitable. I think any of us would be okay receiving that. But I want to look at it from another way too. There's 6,658 languages representing about 2 billion people in the world who do not have what we have right here. 6,658 languages representing 2 billion people who do not have God's entire word translated into their language. Many of those have absolutely no part of Scripture translated into their language. May we never take this for granted. 
we have more access than ever. We have printed copies. We have digital copies. We have so much access. What I want us to do is I want us to remember the words of the psalmist and realign our hearts towards this. Being biblically grounded. Truth be told, the facts that I shared, they're true and they're convicting. And I pray that they lead us to action. And you may, I pray that what you felt in those leads you to do something about it. But truth be told, I would rather you feel stirred to spend more time in God's word than convicted. So, what better way to cultivate a desire for becoming more biblically grounded than to use scripture? <laughs> Let's read through just a few examples on top of what we've seen in um, Psalm 119. So here we go. Starting with 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God and that the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do we see the value of God's word in this? Next passage. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do we see the value of being biblically grounded in this passage? This is an interactive yeah. part of it. Thank you very much. Yes, those on the podcast, they agreed. Next passage, Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember, he had been physically fasting for 40 days, and Satan came to him, tempting him to turn, to prove who he was by turning stones into bread. And his response was, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, the physical bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is necessary for this. Consuming the words of God are necessary for life. Do we see the value of God's word? Next. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Do we see the value of being biblically grounded here? Yes, they still agree. Next. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. Marrow. What is it? Marrow. marrow. Okay. And discern. Marrow. Joints and Marrow. What did you learn at church today? I don't know, man. We talked about tomorrow. tomorrow. I'm going to start over. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you see how active God's word is? It's not just written down, oh, I need to repeat these. 
I need to memorize these like mantras or whatever. It is alive and active, and it's discerning your thoughts. How do you think that's possible? Mm. Because he who had them write these is with you as you read them. We'll dive deeper into that next week or the week after. Let's go back into Psalm 119 and just see not just the ones that we've, the, the verses that we've read, but some of the other verses that we didn't read throughout Psalm 119. Verse 5, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You feel like you have no idea where you're headed? It's like darkness out in front of you? Here you go. At the very least, I promise you, it will light up where you're at and why you're where you're at, even if you don't yet know where you're going. It'll show you what you need to see in the moment. Psalm 119, verse 10 through 11. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, I've stored up your word in my heart. I, I, I want to point out that there's a difference between how he is saying this and what he's talking about than there was between the Pharisees that Jesus would come to rebuke because they had memorized Scripture and then twisted them for their own profit. This heart, if they had held on to this heart, they would have seen the weightier things Jesus said of the law. They would have understood, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. But if we read these and we store these words, not just reading them to get through them, but storing their truths in our hearts, it will help keep our way straight. That's why he said in Joshua, meditate day and night. Then your ways will be prosperous. Not some name it and claim it. If I memorize the right verses and then just say those, then I'm going to have health and wealth. It's a, I will be reminded of who God is what God has to say about this situation, of the truth and the promises that God has for me right now and in front of me, and it will make my way prosperous. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 99. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Listen, I am not so arrogant as to withhold that verse as one of your teachers as to say that you can be so knowledgeable of what God's word says that you're wiser than me. In fact, I challenge you to do it. I want you to do that. I am 100% as a teacher of you. In fact, I'm asking you to be so knowledgeable with this that if I ever accidentally step off of the truth of what this says, that you have the understanding and the grounding to come to me in love and say, hey, man, let's walk through like, what God's word says right here. Like, help, help us, let's, let's understand this and, 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 and uh, mesh this out a little bit. Because you said this, but God says this. I promise you, you will not see opposition 
to you stepping in love with an understanding of God's word. You know why I want to challenge you to do that? Because the more you fall in love with this, the more you start understanding this, the more it will change your heart to approach us in love in the right way with understanding. That's what wisdom is. It's not just knowing the facts. It's knowing how to present the facts. Knowing how to operate in love. We'll talk about more of that. Even with each other. Psalm 119, verses 18 through 20. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Can I just offer that? Like, can you memorize that, write that down, and use that as part of the beginning of your time in reading God's word every single day? This is something I think the Lord wants to hear come out of your mouth every day when you sit down to read his word. Oh God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. I'm a sojourner on this earth. These things, these ways, they're temporary. They're not the real everlasting thing. I will be here for only a short period of time before I spend an eternity with you. So help me focus on what lasts way longer by teaching me your ways while I'm here now. I'm just here for a short period of time. If I find in myself desires that nothing in this world can satisfy, I can only conclude I was not made for it. Must not have been made for this world. So teach me your ways. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Oh, see the beauty in that. If you're not there, I get it. But I know the guy who helps you get there. He's a good father. He's a sacrificial co-inheritor. He is a powerful, mind-opening spirit. And he wants you to fall in love with his words and his rules. Next passage, Psalm 119, verse 73. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Let me, let, me, let me say this in the NIV, Nate's inspired version. You have a very real vested interest in my life. You formed me and molded me in my mother's womb with your very hands. You actually want to see me succeed. You actually want to see me come to a place where I understand what you want. You actually want me to come to a place where I understand it so much that I actually walk into it. You created me to magnify your glory. And when I know your ways and I walk in your ways, I bring glory to you. So see through this vested interest that you have in my life. Do you guys all realize, I, I know this is simple, I know we all like, yeah, yeah, we know, but 
Do, can we just take a moment to all realize not a single one of you, not a single one of us was made outside of the involvement of God's hand? You exist here because a very real, very involved, very loving God formed and fashioned want that to impact the way that we approach Scripture. I ask you, how do you, when you spend time in this, when you approach God's Word, how do you approach God's Word? Is it purely academic? Listen, it's it's a good thing to have a Bible reading plan. We talked about how you can read the whole Bible just 12 minutes a day. You can read the whole Bible in a year. It's a good thing to do that. It's a good thing if you want to do it faster than that. It is a good thing, and we should fill ourselves with a familiarity and a grounding in God's Word. But it's about more than just that. How do you approach God's Word? Do you approach it like the psalmist? Oh, I love your words. Oh, they bring hope. They bring life. They bring healing to me. I desire, I crave, I long for your words. Even the parts that are our law and bring conviction and correction in my life. I long for them. I never bring secular songs. I don't like to bring secular songs into the pulpit. But there's a, there's a, a, a phrase in a, in a 90s song, I think. Um, it says, uh, yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive. That's the wrong theology. So let me just say that from the stage. But what they're expressing is, man, I, even, if it has to, even if it involves pain and suffering, I just want to be reminded I'm alive. Even if it involves correction and rebuke, I just want to be reminded that you're there and you care. That, I think, plays a part in why the psalmist can say, I love your words. I love your laws because they do bring life. They do bring wisdom to me. They do make my way prosperous. It does light the path before my feet. But even the tough stuff, even the correcting stuff, which I can't hide from, It knows the very intentions. You know the very intentions of my heart. And it's laid bare in these words. But I look forward to that. Do you just sit down in the morning and read and just hope that maybe you'll soak up information? Are you just reading to check off a box? Or are you reading because you know that when you read the words, like we've said before, that the Holy Spirit who inspired these very words is going to commune almost with himself within you to bring those words to life within you. Do you read these words as though you are actually going to spend time interacting with the Lord? And it may be through reading an entire chapter or 15, but it may be through the first few words that you ever read that he comes and he speaks into this. Last caveat. Well, not one more thing. When it comes to your becoming biblically grounded, which only happens when we, when we familiarize ourselves with God's word by spending time in it, I want you to ask this question. 
okay? I love truth. I so love truth. But I have grown to love the right question to lead me to the truth that matters the most. I've loved to, 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 to learn what the right question is in a given moment. And I feel like there's a question that I have for us today that I think is gonna be a question for us this semester. It might even be a thematic question for us to ask. What does God want in that situation? And today we're talking about being biblically grounded. When you spend time with this, I want you to ask the question, God, what do you want in this moment as I'm reading your word? In just a second, I'm going to encourage us to take a next step this week, this semester, this year, to be intentional about reading through this, about becoming biblically grounded, which can only happen when we spend time in this. But here's the caveat. I do not want us to trade the exercise of reading through this for what God really wants in those moments. And that's to spend time with you. If you don't get through this in a year because you can't seem to make it five phrases before the Holy Spirit just rips into your heart in such a tender and loving and glorious way, who cares? Spend time with him, and this is an avenue that you can do it. We are seeking to be empowered by his spirit. These two things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, I would say becoming more biblically grounded leads to us being more spiritually empowered. You want that? Here's one of the ways you can start. Well, you take these and kind of hand these out. I want to give us a very practical next step. Some of you guys may have started the new year. We have resolutions and all these things. And some of you guys may already even have a Bible reading plan. I'm not asking you to abandon that. Our next step is to be intentional about being more biblically grounded. Be intentional about how much time we're spending in here. I want to give everybody a bookmark. It's called 31 Days of Diving Deeper into Scripture. It's got some of us say, okay, I want to do that, but I don't know where to start. It's got 31 short verses, but it's not just about the verses you read. It's how we engage with God's word. On the bookmark, you'll see a QR code. It takes you to a place on our website where we show you how to engage with God's word at a deeper level. What are the good questions to ask to allow the spirit to bring to understanding the things that he has in these words. So even if you have your own Bible study plan or, or whatnot, I want to encourage you to take a look at this. Here, will you, will you pass these out in parts of the room? Take a look at that and use that tool as a way to become more biblically grounded. Use that tool as a way to engage with God's word in order to engage with God himself. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come up, anybody who's going to be up here at the end, um, and invite everybody to kind of stand up as well. As we get ready to engage in worship and close out the service, again, I want to be, I want to be straightforward about what our next steps are. 
Let's be intentional intentional about experiencing, enjoying, and ultimately displaying God's love and glory by spending time in God's word. Not just this week, but starting today. If you don't already have a reading plan, I encourage you, follow along with the 31 days. I also want to provide a moment. We have multiple partners around the world who are engaged in Bible translation. If when I read those facts, you felt stirred by the reality of of the 2 billion people that don't have the full scriptures in their heart language, and you want to do something about that, you feel led to do something about that, one of the next steps that you can do is you can, you can help financially support those people and those individuals and those ministries. If you want to, you can do it on Venmo. You can drop something in the, in the um, uh, what are they called, boxes in the back on the wall. Um, just make sure to put a note with those saying for Bible translation. We support them and, and we want to continue to support them because we believe in that. Also, ladies, here's another next step. There's literally a Bible study uh, four or five weeks, four-week Bible study um, that will be happening um, starting on Saturday, I think. If you're interested in that, you can see Vanessa or Peggy. Where's Peggy at? We all want you to raise your hands. Yep, Peggy's over there. Vanessa's over there. Like, raise your hand. Talk to them after service. I want to start simple, but do not miss how profound it is. Father, would you grant us the heart that the psalmist had towards your words. Lord, lead us to a place where we delight in your word. We treasure, we store them as we meditate on them. Ground us in your truth. As we pray, you empower us with your spirit. We love you. We love your word. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens podcast. Be on the lookout for the next step challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website links below.